Are we prioritizing what we truly believe is right? Are we, are we prioritizing what's best for us or what God determines is best for us? You see, what you prioritize is what you become. Hi, church. Welcome. Today, I don't know where you find yourself on the other side of the camera today, but I'm excited to continue today's message and believe that it's, it's going to connect and resonate with you in whatever season of life you might be in right now. I, I know with COVID, there's, there's a lot of um, different changes. There's a lot of different pressures. There's a lot of different stresses. And, and I do know that that God sees it all and God does have an answer. And today I'm excited to communicate that to you. And I'm praying for you. I'm encouraged um, to see all that God's doing in your life. And, and I do hope that after today, after today's message, that, that you walk away. And as we talk about priorities today, that it's not just something that happens here in this moment um, where we, we hear a message, but it connects with you, it resonates with you, and you you walk away and you feel encouraged. Uh, and really this was birthed, this message was, was birthed out of a place uh, this week of just thinking about the priorities in my life. Um, I don't know if you've done this before, gone through some of these exercises where, where you look at different areas of your schedule and, and you try to think, well, how can I maximize my time more? Have <laughs> you done this before where you, where you just wonder, well, how do I get more out of my day? Or how do we maximize that part of my day where I feel like I get stuck? And, and so I started doing this and I started probably at the hardest place. Now, I don't know if you've done this, if you have this on your device or not, but I went on my iPhone and I just looked on to see, well, how many screen hours am I putting in in a day? Like, how long is it? How long am I spending behind a screen? And now it doesn't track my laptop, but just my, my screen time alone on my device was, was shocking. Now, f- fair enough. Like, I use it for work, right? Like, I'm not just using it to do whatever. Like, I'm, I'm using it for work. But at the same time, I, I know that that it's probably a little higher than it should be. Now, the one caveat to that was, was I was down 41% from the week before. So that's good news, right? That, that is a win. But I was still shocked to see my time per day on my phone. And it made me think about how am I going to pivot and refocus? And how am I going to begin to start reprioritizing my time to reduce the hours I spend on my phone or to reduce those hours a day that, that I, 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 I'm not maximizing, that, that it seems like those evening hours, you know, I got four young kids that after I put them to bed, that after that time's done that I'm tired, you know, but just not to waste those times, but to maximize those times and to utilize them. And I, I began to think about the priorities in my life. And then I thought about the power of prioritizing. Now, prioritizing does a number of things. I'm going to just share three of them, and, and I hope this blesses you today, but, but, but three things that I see um, that there's, with power attached to priorities. And the first is that prioritizing, what it does is it, it causes us to be intentional about our lives. Like when you look at your schedule and you're like, man, I'm spending too much time on my devices or I'm spending too much time 
uh, going through Pinterest accounts. <laughs> I'm spending too much time on social media or I'm spending too much time reading or I'm spending, oh, I don't know how many of you are actually doing that, but you know, what I'm saying is that we, we start to learn that, that there's some spaces of our life that we could polish up and prioritizing helps us to, to be intentional about the time that we have on earth. And then prioritizing, what it also does is it causes you to utilize the, the resources that you have wisely. Like when you look at your time or you look at your finances and you see what you spend your most time or your most money on, it makes you think, well, is this something that I want to be investing my life into? And it causes us to pivot and to rethink the way in which we are utilizing the resources. Now, all of us have the same amount of time on uh, a day, and all of us you know, have various amount of times on earth, but, but we all have 24 hours. And how we utilize those 24 hours really does matter, but prioritizing causes us to, to utilize the resources that we have. And, but prioritizing, the third thing I want to say about it is prioritizing reveals what you truly care about. Like when you look at your schedule and you say, what am I spending the most time on? It reveals something about what you care the most about. When you look at your bank account, it reveals what you care most about. And as we begin to prioritize our lives, we get a picture of what it is that we truly are spending our lives on. Prioritizing, and the definition of this, is to designate or treat as more important than other things. So, in other words, whatever you are prioritizing, you're designating, or you're treating, what? As something more important than the rest. And it's not just about what you believe, because I think a lot of us believe a number of different things, right? And, and some of us, we believe that it's important to be generous, or we believe it's important to invest in our family, uh, we believe it's important to invest in ourselves and our emotional health and in our physical health. It's important to uh, spend time with loved ones and invest in other people. You see, we believe these things to be true. But what prioritizing does is it makes us have a candid look at our lives and say, are we prioritizing what we truly believe is right? Are we, are we prioritizing what's best for us or what God determines is best for us. You see, what you prioritize is what you become. So the question that, that Paul is going to be diving into today as we look closer at the book of Colossians, he's the writer of it, what he's going to be fleshing out with us is, is, is who's your top priority? Because you're becoming something, whether you like it or not, you either, you're either moving forward and you're growing or you have atrophy. And so, are you growing and are you maturing? And today we're going to look specifically at the spiritual side of things. Are you growing and maturing in your faith? Or is there atrophy? And if, if you see that things are, 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 are not quite where you want them to be, the good news is we can reprioritize today. But before we get into how we reprioritize, or before we get into all that, we got to know, well, well, what is it that, that we truly want to become. Like what is it that you're spending your life on? What is it that the time on earth that you have is going to be spent doing? And Paul is gonna talk about that today. 
And he's going to really challenge our, our, where we prioritize things and help us to reorient our lives. And so like I, I said at the beginning of the series as we started, that we are going to get a, a picture, a clear picture of who Jesus is. But, he, but Paul is also going to help us answer those two existential questions. Like, what is my purpose in life? And why am, like, why am I here? And, and what am I going to do with my time that I'm here? What, what is this all about? And so Paul is going to be giving us a little bit of an insight, a little bit of insight into who Jesus is. And then as we prioritize our lives around him, the benefits of that. So let's head into the text today. If you have your Bible, I'm going to read from Colossians 1, uh, 18 to 20. I'm opening my physical Bible. I want to challenge you today to not just... Um, to not just sit on the other side, but engage. Open your Bible, crack it open, feel the pages, you know. Underline if you need to, or highlight. Make notes in your Bible. Really, this is a living and breathing um, uh, book, and so make sure that you're engaging with it. And if you have your Bible today, open it to Colossians 1, 18 to 20, and we're going to head into the text right now. And this is how uh, Paul begins this next section that we're looking at. And I believe this is going to bless you today. He says, and he, okay, this is Jesus. If you look at the previous three verses, it's all about Jesus. And so he says, he is Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross before we head into the text why don't we pray together god i ask today as we as we head into this portion of scripture that you reveal to us who you are Help us prioritize our life, reorient our life, and help us to live a life worthy of what you've called us to do. Jesus, help us to see you more clearly, to know you. Help us speak to us. Guide us, we pray. Amen. This first verse here, we, we see Paul right away jump into the text and say, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Now, this language, the head of the body, I want to talk about that for a second because he, he says the head, right? And if a body doesn't hold to its head, right? Like if there's a severed head from a body, it's kind of gross, I know. For those of you that are zombie fans, you're like, yeah, I've been there, done that, right? But when the body is severed from the head, it stops functioning as a body. The connection, as we all know, this is nothing new to you, the connection between the head and the body is critical to the body functioning properly. And this is what Paul is getting at. He's saying, if Jesus is the head of the church, and who is the church? Let's just talk about that for a minute. The church is those who have chosen to place their faith and their trust in Jesus. You see, Jesus died and rose again, as we'll continue to unpack in the text today. Jesus died and he rose again. We rebelled against God, and I mean we as humanity rebelled against God. Sin entered into the world, and 
and we couldn't, we couldn't bridge the gap. We, we couldn't cross the chasm between what we had done wrong and a perfect God. There was too much there. And God can't be in the presence of sin because he's perfect. And so he had to send a rescue plan and he sent Jesus. And so Jesus died and he rose again. And, and then those that place their trust and their faith in him are forgiven of sin. Jesus didn't have to die. He came, what? Because he loved us. And so those that place their faith and their trust in Jesus, as a result of that, now are a part of a new kingdom and his church. The church is not a building. The church is not just the elementary school that we used to meet at. No, no. The church is what, is, is, is what Jesus draws into himself for those that believe and trust in who he is. The church is who he calls. The church is, is those that follow Jesus, call themselves Christians, Christ followers, those that place their trust and their faith and their hope in him. That is the church. It's not a building. It's not a set of laws. It's not a legal matter. This, the church as we know it, is those that find themselves in believing and trusting in Jesus and are part now of the family of God, welcomed back in. And Jesus, it says, is the head of the church. He's the one that leads it all. And like I said before, without that head, the body doesn't function properly. And we all have stories of the body not functioning properly, and I mean the church. But when the church is connected closely to Jesus, as the church builds itself on the foundation of prayer, as the church begins to rely more and more and more on the person of Jesus, what happens is that it functions as Jesus has intended it to function. And it all rises and falls on Jesus being the head, first priority. You see, the church connected to Christ finds life, it finds power, and its function. Outside of Jesus, it tries to, to create counterfeits. And that's what religion does, is it says, you know what, I, I'm gonna try through good works to figure this Christian thing out rather than to know the Savior on a personal level. You know, head knowledge grows us, but it's faith that saves us. And it's faith in Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. And it's putting him first, prioritizing Jesus in our life. That begins to make us, we are all the church, those that place their faith and trust in Jesus are the church, makes us function properly. Like live out what Jesus intended for us to do. But Paul uses this illustration of the head, and I, and there is just a little bit more there to unpack. And I'm just going to talk about two aspects of the head that are important. The first is this, is that the body is nourished through the head. Now think about this, just in a very practical sense, right? You eat, <laughs> and the food goes in, hopefully tasty food, goes in, right? And it replenishes our body, it gives us energy, and, and it gives us what we need to fulfill what it is that we need to do. But that all comes through the mouth, the head. And so Jesus is our nourishment. The body is fed through the mouth and sustains the body. And so Jesus feeds our soul and Jesus sustains our soul as he, as he is the head, as the leader of our life. You see, in Mark 4, 4, 
And in Matthew 4, 4, we, we see Jesus uh, speak in both these same verses. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. In other words, what's going to sustain our lives is not just the physical. There's a spiritual component. There's a part of our soul that craves to be known, that craves for, for love, to be loved, that, that, that craves for more. And Jesus is the one that can satisfy this. But we don't live simply by material things. We live led by the Spirit and what God gives us through His Word. Man shall not live by bread alone. We are nourished by Jesus, who is known as the bread of life. He's the one that nourishes us. He's the one that sustains us. And he's the one that gives us the energy we need and the strength that we need and the direction we need to fulfill what it is that he's called us to do. If our souls are to stay nourished and to stay replenished, especially in COVID-19 times, if we're going to stay nourished and replenished, we must stay connected to Christ our head. We can't do this without him. We need a savior. We need help. And it's, it's not weak to admit that you need help. It's strength to admit that you might need a savior. God knew this. He knew we couldn't make it on our own. That's why Jesus came. And I want to encourage you today that if you're feeling a little depleted, that Jesus can nourish and replenish you. He is the head of the church. And my job as the pastor, it's not that you become dependent on my teaching or any pastor's teaching for that matter, but that through my teaching or others' teaching that you would become more dependent on Christ. Yes, there's authority figures in the church, there's pastors and there's leaders, but Jesus is the head of it all. He's the one that we rely on, he's the one that we trust in, and ultimately he's the one in control. His place is to be first, supreme, and the leader of it all. Now the second half of this verse says this, that Jesus is the firstborn from amongst the dead. All right. So that in everyone, he might have supremacy. Okay. Uh, we were talking a few weeks ago in the office, and, um, and as we were talking in the office, um, we, we were just chatting about zombies. And somebody's like, well, Jesus was the first zombie. He rose from the dead. And I was like, not quite, not quite, but kind of. You know what I mean? But that's, and if you read that scripture, you're kind of like, is that what this is implying? What, what it's saying is this, is that earlier I talked about Jesus is, uh, Jesus died and he rose again. And here he's saying he was the first amongst the dead. In other words, he was the first one to die and rise again from the dead. He was the first to lead the way and to provide salvation and forgiveness, to provide a way back to God because we were broken and we were separated and we rebelled against him. He was the first. And this is the reference of the resurrection. And it says that he would be supreme. In other words, that if all the things, of all the things in our life, he would be the, the number one. He would be the first. He would be supreme. He'd be our leader. And so Jesus is the head of the church, the leader of the church. And for the church to be who it is that we're called to be, we, Jesus needs to be our leader. You know, recently, Destiny and I, we started 
watching what we're eating a little bit more closely. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but when you first start changing some of your eating habits, especially like processed sugars, man, you just crave them like crazy. It's like everything that was ever sweet, you can just, as you dream at night, you're like, oh, that's just beautiful. You know, like chocolate bars, just, oh, they just sing to you when you walk through a grocery store. You know, and, and so as we started to eat more healthy and we, we, we started to do this, what, what I began to realize is my cravings were less and less. And I began to put more, uh, more organic and more healthy foods. I began to eat salads most days. And I don't know if you've ever done any sort of eating plan, but man, I feel like a rabbit some days. I'm eating so much salad, you know. It's like, is this even possible? You know, and I'm eating salad and... And it's always difficult the first three, four weeks. And then now we're about a month or so in. And it's amazing to me that I feel a difference in my body. It's amazing by just switching my priorities a little bit and by making a few changes that my energy is increased. It's amazing that I feel lighter. And physically, I am lighter. <laughs> That's good. But just a few tweaks with the right nourishment, with Jesus as the head where, he belong, where he's supposed to be, in our life, our soul, too, will be nourished and replenished. And what I learned in this diet, diet period of time is that there's some foods that are bad for me and there's some that are good. There's some that actually won't sustain me and nourish me and there's some that will. And so, too, as we spend more time with Jesus, we're going to recognize those things. There's some things in our life that simply will not nourish us. They might get us to the next day, but they're weighing us down and they're making us unhealthy. And as we begin to shed some of those things, as Jesus begins to fulfill the longing of our heart, as his love begins to just captivate our imaginations and, to, and, and, and we experience his love and his freedom, what happens in us is that we begin to have that discernment, that we begin to see what, what is good for our souls and what is not good for us. You see, Jesus is our leader. This is what he helps. He helps us to reorient our lives. And then the verses, Paul continues here in Colossians 1.20. He says, And through him to reconcile himself to all things. Or sorry, in verse 19, Colossians 1.19, it says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Jesus was not partly God and partly man. No, he's fully God and he's fully man. The fullness of God's power is in Jesus. Why am I up in arms about this? Because, like the previous verses in 15, 16, and 17, the same power that created the heavens and the earth dwell in Jesus. Do you know what that means for us, church? Do you know what that means for us? Is it means that he has the power to create good from your situation. I don't know how this is going to turn good. Jesus does. And he can. He has the power to help you forgive. I can't let go of this. Maybe some of your stories, resentment has marked your life since you were a child. And I'm not, forgiveness isn't minimizing what's happened to you. But forgiveness is letting go and not allowing bitterness to take hold of your life. And Jesus can give you the power to forgive. He has the power to heal and to restore that which is broken. I don't know about you, but it seems that when I look around, there's a lot of broken. It seems like 
everywhere I turn on every news channel, the world is broken. And it's easy to succumb to the thoughts that that's just how it is. But Jesus gives us hope for the future. And Jesus is working things for our good. And Jesus is mending. And Jesus is repairing. And Jesus is restoring. And he does that through us, his church. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us to restore. But he has the power to do that. Jesus has the power to help you rebuild after your divorce, after your separation, after your breakup. Jesus has the power to comfort you in your grief and to help you take that next step after your loss. He has the power to break addiction and to bring freedom. He has the power to help you in your parenting. He has the power to bring life from that which is dead. The same power that flung the stars into the sky. The same power that brought the land out of the seas. The same power that holds the whole universe together dwells in Jesus. And when we put him first in our life, not only does he nourish and replenish our soul, but he has the power to help us overcome our darkest places and our most difficult situations. God is a deep well to be drawn from and discovered. Now Paul continues in Colossians 1.20. And he says this, he says, And through him, so God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. To reconcile to himself all things. The work of reconciliation means that something's broken. You don't need to reconcile something unless something's not right, you know? And there was something not right. We chose to rebel against God. And sometimes we're like, well, that's not me. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. It's in the human heart to push against God. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love is the old hymn that speaks so true to our human humanity and our human behavior. You see, there was a problem, and Jesus needed to come to reconcile us back to God. You see, God is a good father. God loves you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But sin and evil separated us from our father, and Jesus reconciles us back to him, but even more. That as we see our world, it seems to be groaning for some savior to come. It seems that we're looking around for some way back to how things were. Can all this be made right again? And in Jesus, the answer is yes, because he reconciles all things to himself. Whether things on earth that we see materially or things in heaven. And the truth is that no human achievement is sufficient enough to complete the finished work of Jesus. Just impossible. But through Jesus, you know, through Jesus, there's a way. And what I want you to understand here is it's not just a, oh, to save me, Josh, from my sins. 
This is like a universal reconciliation. Where even in our nation, there's some difficult situations right now where like, how do we go forward with this? Like so much damage has been done. It seems impossible. The hope that we have is that Jesus isn't finished the reconciliation. All things will be made right again. And the beauty of this, and what we need to understand as the church, is that we have a part in that process. The reason we need to reorient ourselves is to look beyond ourselves, to look beyond what it is that is right in front of us. Rick Warren wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life, one of the best-selling books of all time. And, and if you go through local news feeds, you see people right now looking for purpose and looking for direction. There's a reason that that book struck a nerve with so many people, right, and resonated with so many people, because we're looking for purpose, right? The very first words of his book, do you know what they are? They're not look deep within yourself, right? That's not the words. The words are not make sure that you binge as much Netflix as you possibly can. That's not what it says. The purpose is not make sure you can make as much money as you possibly can. Make sure you get as famous as you can. Those aren't the words. The words that he uses is this. It's not about you. And as we prioritize our life, as we put Jesus as our leader, what happens is what flows out of that is the right priorities. What flows out of that is the reconciliation work. Did you know one of the greatest ministries the church has is not worship music, is not just preaching? Those are good things. One of the greatest ministries the church has is the work of reconciliation. The gospel is reconciliation. It's that there was God and there was man. We couldn't bridge the gap, but God could. And so too, our ministry, as we've been forgiven, we forgive others and we help bring reconciliation back to the world. That's why this verse is so important, because Jesus is reconciling that things back to him, and he's saying, church, it's also your responsibility. So why does it matter that Jesus is first in our life? Is it just to get it right? No, no, no. It's so that we, we get to use the gifts that God has given us, <laughs> that we get to partner with Jesus in the work of reconciliation. And our nation needs it. The people in our community need it. The people in our community need us to make sure our priorities are right and that we're being nourished and replenished for Jesus because there's reconciliation work to do. It's not a time to sit on the sidelines. It's time to get in the game and begin to start playing the game. Jesus wants to use you to change the world. That's what he gives us as his gift. Jesus brings us back into relationship with God to make all things right. And in a cosmic level, that the universe is reconcil reconciled back to him. There is one God, and no one compares to him. There is no one more sufficient or so more supreme. But the question that I want to ask you today as we look at this text is where have you 
prioritize Jesus in your life? Like, what, where would you put him? Is he way down the list? Like, your time? Does he hit the list? Your resources, your money? Does he hit the list? Your relationships? Is he on the list? Is he first? Is he your leader? Because here's what I know. You become what you prioritize. You prioritize Jesus as the first in your life, guess what you become? Like Jesus. Slips down the list. Gets a little bit more difficult. <laughs> but you know what I see? I see a church where Jesus is its head. That Jesus is its leader. I see a church more committed to the work of reconciliation than the work of making a name for itself. I see a church full of love and hope. I see a church replenished and nourished by Jesus. And you're part of that church. As you follow Jesus, as you put your hope and your faith in him, you're part of that church. And my hope, my prayer for you, is that you would walk away from today and in your small group, or even today as we're in the chat, you just begin to think, what do I need to reprioritize? What do I need to reorient myself around? Because we become what we prioritize. And maybe that didn't happen intentionally, but by prioritizing, it happens intentionally. I love you, church. I'm praying for you, church. And if that's you across this camera and you've never made Jesus first in your life, You've never said, Jesus, be my leader. You've never said, take control of my life. Or maybe you've walked away and you need to be honest with yourself and you need to reprioritize. I want to pray for you right now. Cross from this camera, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love me. And God, thank you that you sent your son to die on a cross for me. And that he rose again and because of that, I have hope. And because of that, that same power that helped him rise from the dead resides in me now. I ask for forgiveness. I turn away from my old life and I turn to you. Help me become and prioritize you first in my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't leave me by myself, but that you're my closest friend. I ask you to take my life. Lead me and guide me, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. We hope that the message spoke to you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to hear from you. If you click the button that says connect, then we can keep the conversation going and help you take your next steps.